My name is Sarah Inglis, and I'm a certified integrative health coach. I help people thrive in their bodies and reclaim the health they've always wanted. Each week, I interview people who have a passion for health. You'll hear from health experts, farmers, herbalists, doctors, chefs, and many more. My hope is that they'll inspire us all to tune into our gut and notice how lifestyle and food impact us. Hannah Studley recovered from severe PTSD after three violent attacks in the UK and spent the next 25 years combining a very successful Academy Award-winning career in Hollywood with coaching and counseling people with trauma, addictions, and relationship problems. After graduating from the One Thought Institute in 2018, she noticed that her 25 years of chronic pain had completely gone, and so conducted research to discover if she could reproduce this experience in others. Following the success of five case studies, she developed a program called Painless, and is now helping clients worldwide with all kinds of health issues and working with doctors and clinicians to introduce them to the three principles. Most recently, she has started working with people with long COVID and is having great success in helping them get back to their innate health. HANA is a World Health Organization psychological first responder, an international speaker and author. She has a diploma in psychology and is a certified life coach with 30 years experience. Hannah's first book, The Myth of Low Self-Esteem, a novel about PTSD, Hollywood, and healing, came out in 2019. And her second, Painless, a novel about chronic pain and the mind-body connection was published in 2021. Her next novel, Very Well, All About Hormones, will be out later this year. Hi, Hannah. It's such a pleasure to be with you and to meet you. Yeah. Hi, Sarah. Nice to meet you, too. And I appreciate, yeah, the time difference, too, for you. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're such a multi, I think of you as a Renaissance woman and, and with such a deep well of life experience. And I, I really know that our audience, my audience anyway, would, would benefit from hearing your story about how you, how you healed yourself from chronic pain, if you'd be willing to share that with us. Sure. Thank you for asking. I had a, a very, some very violent experiences in my 20s. I was mugged three times. Now, being mugged one time is, is bad enough, but three times, you know, it was, it was pretty, pretty bad. It was the early 80s. Uh, the first time I was still in college, I was in a nightclub. Some young man wanted to dance with me, put his hands where he shouldn't. I pushed him away. And the next thing I know, his hand was on the back of my head and he smashed my head into a concrete pillar on the side of the dance floor and, and fractured my skull right here. I know you can't see it, but I can, you know, <laughs> I, I can put my finger right on where it happened. And then about three years later, I was walking six o'clock in the evening. I was in Manchester, you know, where I went to university. And three men came out of the dark and jumped me, slammed me on the ground, beat the living daylights out of me. I thought I was going to die. They ran off. I, I guess they were looking for money. I didn't really have anything on me at the time. And that herniated three discs in my lower back. And besides all the internal bruising and all the other stuff that kind of healed eventually. And then I, it, 
PTSD had only just gone into the DSM that year, I think. But in, in Manchester, in the north of England, nobody really knew about such things. And all I got was, you know, here's a cup of tea, suck it up and walk it off, basically, was the treatment I was given. And I got pretty, pretty sick over that next year. I was really frightened to go out, became quite agoraphobic. I wasn't eating properly, sleeping properly. And so a year after it, I decided that Manchester was clearly, clearly the problem. So I moved down to London and I started working in the theater, um, started a, a career in the entertainment business. And about a couple of years after I'd been there, I was attacked again. And when a, a young kid threw a bicycle at my head whilst I was cycling home from the theater. So it was like being shot out of a cannon at a brick wall. The impact, you know, took it right in my neck and shoulders here. And he actually broke my neck. I, I didn't know this for another couple of years. Obviously, the spinal cord wasn't severed, but it was bruised pretty badly. I was in quite a bad way for a long time. But two years later, I was working on a movie in Australia. And I, I suddenly woke up one morning. And I couldn't move my head. My head, my chin was stuck down on my collarbone. And I, I was in agony, screaming. And uh, they, they took an x-ray and, and the doctor said, did you know your neck was broken? <laughs> and I didn't. <laughs> and I was terrified. And he told me that I would need treatment for the rest of my life. So for the next 25 years, I had monthly chiropractic appointments with anybody and everywhere I live. And I thought that this pain I was suffering would live with me for forever. I would have these massive pain flare-ups where the muscles in my back would all seize up. And then I'd be bent sideways, bent forward. I just had sciatica pain shooting down my legs. I'd often I'd wake up with my arm numb. I... I was paralyzed several times from the chest down, could not move my legs at all. Really frightening. And I just thought this was something I was going to have to live with. And sooner or later, you know, one of these spasms would mean I would just end up in a wheelchair or paralyzed for the rest of my life. So it was pretty scary. I also had lots of other things like IBS and uh, skin problems and you, know, you name it. I, I never thought of myself as a sick person. I just had all these things to deal with all the time. So, uh, that's kind of what happened. And uh, meanwhile, I'm working in the movie business. I, have, I had a big career in, in Hollywood. So I moved to California. And uh, I was just going along trying to treat it until I came across a new paradigm in psychology, which amazingly, when I started to understand it, all my pain went away and all my other symptoms too. So, yeah. Wow. Well, it's amazing that you were able to function and carry on jobs while you were suffering from such pain. And trauma. So we know since you mentioned IBS, I'm just going to, that just, I have to say nothing about since I deal with the gut a lot, my work as a coach. Um, so we know that the vagus nerve is a super highway between the brainstem going all the way down to the colon and messaging back and forth between our gut and our brain. And we know it's impacted by the nervous system now. We really know a lot about that. And if you're stuck in a chronic state of stress, you're not going to be able to be in the rest and digest state for starters, right? Never mind possibly having a low mood or inability to control your weight or absorb nutrients. So how do you use the mind-body connection that you learned about to help heal your pain or help other people heal their pain, like IBS or never mind all these injuries that, not, you know, that you suffered? Yeah. The thing is, I, I don't think of, I mean, I do help a lot of people. A lot of my clients do have physical issues and, you know, whether it's chronic pain or, you know, things like IBS, 
migraines, you know, all kinds of things. But what helped me wasn't a cure for pain. The way I started to understand the mind-body connection was, uh, it's a new paradigm in psychology called the three principles. Sometimes it's called innate health. And I, I'd been coaching people for, I don't know, 20, 30 years because, you know, all the trauma I went through, I was a trauma coach for, you know, many, many, many years. And so I'd been searching and doing lots of courses and learning lots of modalities, you know, to help people, myself and clients with, with trauma. And when I came across the three principles, I really, I was so taken with it that I, I really wanted to train and become a practitioner. And so I, I live in Jerusalem in Israel and the course I wanted to do was in London. So I was flying backwards and forwards many multiple times to do this course. And it was expensive, the expense of the course on top of the expense of the, the traveling. So I needed to save some money. And I decided to stop my monthly chiropractic appointment. Nothing against her. She was amazing. And I just knew if I got into difficulty, I could always call her for an emergency appointment. And at the end of this six-month course, I noticed that not only had all my pain gone away, but also my IBS, my, you know, I had eczema and psoriasis, all various things over the years. All my symptoms are gone. Even, you know, 50 years of allergies had gone away. Um, asthma. <laughs> it was like this endless list of stuff gone away. So I got curious. And what I see now, I mean, this is a long answer to your question, but I didn't start out to get rid of my pain because I didn't know it could go away. I just thought it was something I'd have to live with. But what I discovered is once I started to understand how the mind works and understanding how thought and experience are created, my thinking started to slow down which meant my nervous system calmed down, which meant my brain wasn't getting danger messages all the time like it had been for the last 20 years. And I think that's why the pain went away, why all those other symptoms went away, was because my, my brain didn't, didn't need to produce the pain anymore because it didn't think I was in danger any longer. Do you feel overwhelmed with the thought of transforming your health? If the idea of creating a balanced diet, managing stress, and forming new sleep patterns stresses you out. Don't worry, I am here to help. As an experienced integrative health coach, I can help you develop signature health strategies that work for your lifestyles and goals. After working with me, my clients have lost weight, improved their sleep, and reversed lifestyle diseases. I'm offering three free strategy sessions before the end of the month. Click the link in the description of this podcast to book yours today. So as I began to feel safer, my body started to relax and calm down and, and all those symptoms left. So um, is it like I read your book, Painless, which I loved. And I think that's, yeah, I know this is a side. I do have a question I'm going to ask you. But I, yeah, I just think that was genius to, to write a novel. It makes so much information accessible to somebody like me who'd never heard of the three principles. I've heard of concepts like that, but not exactly the way you phrase them. But, but is it that when you have a thought, thoughts become feelings? So does a thought always become a feeling? Am I intellectualizing it too much? Possibly. <laughs> it's very tempting. <laughs> I would say the way I would say it is feelings, feelings and thought are very, very connected, obviously. But my feelings are an indication of the quality of my thinking. For example, like if you had 
miserable, lonely, self-pitying kind of thinking, you cannot be in a good mood, right? It's a reliable system. It doesn't, right? And if, for, and the opposite, if you had happy, abundant, joyful thinking, you cannot be in a bad mood. So I used to be terrified of my moods. I could get into a mood for hours, days, weeks, maybe even a couple of decades, right? where I was constantly looking at glass half empty. You know, life is terrible. There was times when I was terrified to leave the apartment because of the things that happened to me. And I was convinced. And you could have told me, no, no, it's safe. You can go out. I'll go with you. And I would, I would not have believed you. And because I was stuck in that kind of basement kind of thinking, I was feeling that thinking and feeling yucky thinking makes kind of confirms that you're right. Cause like, Oh my gosh, now my hands are shaking. It must be true. Right. I, we can think ourselves into a panic attack. And so if I'm thinking all day long, something's wrong, something's not right. Something's wrong with me. You know, where's that pain? What does it mean? Why won't it go away? All of that is sending danger messages to my brain. And then because because brains don't speak English or Spanish or Hebrew or any other language. They have to rely on the information it gets from our five senses, like the vagus nerve, like my sight, my hearing. And if it's getting information that says the world is a dangerous place, either through fight, constantly in fight or flight or by what I'm interpreting, what I'm seeing and hearing, then the body is going to, muscles are going to contract. The stomachs are going to stop working because it thinks we're, you know, about to fight for our lives or, you know, escape from danger. And what I think happened for me is as I started to understand this, I became less and less frightened of my moods. And I saw that thought is always moving. And so if I am having a funky thought, a scary thought, all I have to know is that it's going to pass. And then the mood passes and I'm back to my innate well-being. And when I saw that's a reliable system, it took away so much of the fear that I used to live in. And I think that's why my body, you know, healed. Wow. And then, and then you actually don't have to do anything except wait, I guess, or be patient or. Yeah, but it can take seconds sometimes. It can actually take Mm -hmm. seconds sometimes. Because when I, when I notice I just got caught up in my thinking, it can be like that. And then you're instantly back to your well-being. Now, I'll admit, I, it doesn't happen instantly all the time for me. I'm, I'm a human being and I can get stuck in my thoughts like anybody else. But because I know it is going to pass, it can be as quick as five minutes, 10 minutes, you know, or maybe just go to sleep and the next when you wake up and you feel so much better. Like the less thinking I have about it, the better it is. I, that's just incredible. I mean, so when you're, you're thinking slowed down, I think as you said, and, and you felt safe, you noticed that your pain had diminished? I mean, was it a gradual? Were you aware of the the pain that up until that point you, that you'd been experiencing? However, it was manifested as asthma or eczema or back pain. Did it happen gradually or was it like you woke up one morning and, whoa, it's not there? I, I wish I had a, a good answer for that because I the answer is I really don't know because I wasn't looking for it to go away. Like all of my symptoms came and went. So it's not like any of them were constant. And then I could have told you, oh, on Wednesday it went away and never came back. But at the end of the course, I can remember sitting here at my desk and I thought, that's weird. My back feels stronger than it did since I was a teenager. And I thought, oh my gosh, I haven't had any pain since I started 
understanding these ideas. And because I hadn't been to the chiropractor, I could count back and I knew it was at least since I had the last appointment and I've not had any major flare-ups. And that was six or seven years ago and I have not had any serious back pain. I've my allergies took a, l- a bit longer to go away, you know, because I started when I started understanding the mind-body connection, and I started seeing how it is connected with the stress response and and calmer thinking. I thought that's interesting. I wonder where where my allergies are in all of this. And then they started to go away as too. Now I still get a bit of congestion sometimes, but it's nothing like it used to be. I mean, I, I live in the Middle East, and I'm actually allergic to olive blossom. I can eat olive the seed, you know, the fruit, but I can't. And so the first few years I was here, I'd want to rip my head off because of the sneezing and the itching and the, it was just horrible, burning skin, burning eyes. And I don't have any of that anymore. So a little bit of congestion is nothing compared with, you know, what I used to have. <laughs> so I'm very, very happy. And it's been about, say, six or seven years now. I've been, I, I think of myself as pain-free. Oh my gosh. So is it your own life experience that inspired you to write the book, Painless? Yeah, I mean, Painless is my second book. The first one, the first book is more about the trauma and you know what I went through and how I came across these ideas. I mean, they're not about me. They, I have alter egos and lots of characters in them. I, they're, they're not supposed to be memoirs or autobiographies at all. But I use a lot of my own personal experience, especially in the first one, um, a lot of the film business stuff. And so when the pain went away, it just like, wow, I could write another book and I could write the character goes on and she has this, you know, experience with the, the pain situation and starts understanding pain science and, you know, sharing it with other people. I kind of put it into a clinic situation where it, it is fiction, but I used a lot of the characters are examples of clients I've worked with or, or people I've known. So they, they are all based on real life experiences. I just kind of fictionalized them, took some artistic license by putting them all together. Yeah. So it's, I guess, yeah, it does inspire me by my own life because so many people are suffering. And and like you said, I I found putting it into a story, people are much more open. Like, do you want to read another textbook or another self-help book? By putting it into a fictional story where people do the falling down and the suffering and the searching and the getting up and the healing, you know, it kind of keeps people intrigued and as well whilst they're learning, you know, some really good information. Right. I think, and also seeing, seeing somebody who's just a, like them, I, I suppose, you know, like me, experiencing it too. I'm curious. I, I actually used to teach Spanish in a former life. So I, I love your embodiment of Frida Kahlo. So what, what inspired you to do that? Putting Frida on the collar, that was a moment of inspiration. I'd read her to, no, her biography when I was in college. And I was always fascinated by her, you know, not so much by her art, but just by inspired by her life and her, her amazing in, inspirational, you know, resilience that she, she had, you know, she showed when as a result of the terrible injuries she had as a, a schoolgirl. And when I was thinking about the cover for the book, I was actually with a friend, we were out having coffee in London. And where we were sitting, there was this massive mural of Frida on, on the side of the wall. It was so big that the flowers in her hair were actual flowers. They, they'd put like a boxes, flower boxes in the wall and lights to correspond with her headdress. And I was like, oh my gosh, look, Frida. And so I was, first of all, I was going to use a picture of her and I thought, you know, copyright, you know, but I said, well, I could dress up as her. You know? So I dressed up as her because she did have a terrible story with pain. And I mean, she, she never recovered from it, but she 
she lived a very full, exciting life despite her physical condition. And that to me is what was inspiring, that she she suffered a lot in many ways, but she was also able to go on and, and live a life that inspired millions of people. Like you see her face everywhere now on mugs and napkins and, you know, most pants, you know, she's, she's iconic, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And even just that floral headdress is iconic, right? I'm right away. Oh, Frida Kahlo. What is this? Story? <laughs> That's great. I noticed that you've given workshops at, at hospitals in the UK, which that is fantastic. And I, about the mind-body connection. And I'm curious, how, how, was, how were those workshops uh, received by, I don't know, doctors or the participants or hospital administration? I mean, I'm really curious, did they reach out to you? Did you reach out to them? Was it a collaboration with a doctor? Um, what happened was I had a client who was a nurse in an oncology department in a, a British hospital. And she was taken with these ideas. I was, you know, working with her. And she then told her boss about it. And her manager of, of this oncology department in a hospital near London, she said, I can't, I can't advertise it at work because, you know, obviously I'm, I'm not accredited with the NHS, which is the British National Health Service. She said, but I'm going to give you the department's email and I'm going to urge everybody to show up. So, so I put together a course and it was mostly nurses and a few admin. And they, you know, we met on Sunday mornings and I presented these ideas to them over a course of a month and they, they loved it. And I actually did a, some surveys before and afterwards. I used the Warwick Edinburgh Wellness Survey, which is a very well-respected way of collecting data. And when I put the numbers together afterwards, you know, before and afterwards, it, it showed an 85% increase in, in wellness in terms of how they felt about work, how they felt about themselves, because there's a huge burnout level, especially since COVID, you know, with, in the helping professions. And, and since then, I've done several programs for other NHS departments around the country. And I've just been asked to do another one. And I'm actually starting to do re actual research. So I'm working with a, a pain researcher at Cambridge. I don't know if she's at the university, but she's based in Cambridge, the hospital there. And we're going to put this, put my words to the test and, and actually, you know, do some research that we hopefully will turn into a paper for, paper for a professional journal to show people this we work. Oh, that's, yeah. oh, that's wonderful, Hannah. And as, as you said, the healthcare workers, wow, what they've been doing and going through with COVID, which is still with us. What a great service you're providing. That's wonderful. That will be really interesting to get the research yeah, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited too. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Oh, keep me posted or I'll have to stay posted. <laughs> Do you find this information helpful? Is there a certain topic you'd like us to cover? Leave us a comment and review about what you'd like to hear. I also noticed that you're, you're publishing or maybe it's already published a new book on very well, I believe it's the title on uh, women and their hormones. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, <laughs> that's a great. Yeah, it's not out yet. How, hopefully, in the next couple of months, it's it's waiting for reviews. You know, like the forward. I've asked a, a very well-known psychologist that I'm very proud that she wanted to read the book, so I'm waiting for her to write the, the forward right now. So 
In fact, this is the hardest part of publishing. Just writing is, that's up to me if I want to write or don't write. But when, when it gets to the point where you're waiting on other people, <laughs> it's the hard part. So yes, I, I got interested in it because I was going through menopause when I first came across these ideas, these three principles, and I was having a miserable time. I, you know, the brain fog, the night sweats, the, you know, the hot flushes, it was really, really quite unbearable. And for I, I was in perimenopause for probably 10 years, really, really suffering. And I tried to push off taking the HRT for a long time. I tried all kinds of, you know, natural stuff and yams and bioidentical and nothing actually works. Even the, the bioidentical hormone specialist that I was seeing, which I spent a lot of money on, he had upped the medication so many times. He said, look, just go back to your regular doctor get the regular HRT, let's tame the tiger, and then we can you know, help you. So I, I don't advocate any specific treatment or you know, do natural if it works, do HRT if it works. Do. Um, what, what I saw that no, kind of like the pain is whatever is going on with someone physically, there's the physical experience, and then there's all my thinking about it. And that when I started seeing all the stories and the, uh, you know, like I would get a hot flush and go, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. Why has this happened to me? It's not fair. You know, all these years. And, you know, so I was adding to the discomfort. I was probably adding in a boatload of adrenaline and cortisol on top of the, you know, the hormone fluctuation. And that's what got me curious because those symptoms went away as well, along with my pain and my asthma and my allergies and the IBS. It all kind of faded away as my nervous system calmed down. So I started to research the hormone thing after the pain book came out. And I discovered that see, there's a diagnosis called PMDD. I don't know if you, you've heard of that, but it, it's, it's an official diagnosis. It's in the DSM. And it's basically, imagine PMS, the worst possible examples of PMS. Like these poor women, are, they're suicidal. Most of the months they're feeling so miserable that they only have like maybe one or two months, so two days a month when they feel vaguely normal. So I found a piece of research on this where a researcher from an American university, she was researching reproductive mood disorders. She, she tested hormone levels in a, a, a group of women who are really suffering and a group of women who didn't suffer them in their monthly cycle. And she found that their hormone levels were exactly the same. Now, yes, they're fluctuating because it's normal and natural to go up and down, but they were all going up and down in a very natural way. So she got curious. Why was this group of women really suffering and this group of women weren't? And it's also true of postpartum, of perimenopause, of, of all, all reproductive mood disorders, that the women who are suffering a lot, like I was with my menopause, have a history of trauma, of abuse, of prolong, prolonged stressful thinking. So she, she pointed this out and it got to see that I think that's what would happen to me because I had this history of trauma. My nervous system was kind of trained to, let's say, overreact or hyperreact. So a change in hormones, whether it's, you know, after having a baby or, or monthly, was just another thing to deal with. And I've already shared this understanding with some, several women with this PMDD diagnosis, and they're already getting better. And women with perimenopause, women with uh, doing IV, you know, in vitro treatments, any situation where there's a hormone, a positive hormone, big drops and a history of not handling things well, there's, there's healing available because again, when we find, when we realize we are safe and there's actually nothing wrong with us, 
that there's nothing to fix, then it takes away a lot of the fear and the, the anxiety. And then the nervous system gets to calm down. Boy, I wish I'd known that during perimenopause. <laughs> I actually thought I was going insane. Yes. I felt like I didn't have, which I know many women experience, like my mind is not my right. own. I don't understand what's happening. It's a very almost out-of-body experience. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I was getting Alzheimer's. You know, I, I, I was, I remember trying to teach things that I knew I knew the answer to, trying to find in my brain the answer that I knew I, I already knew. It was frightening. Besides finding mayonnaise in, mayonnaise in the freezer and like, how did that get there? And can't find my keys and, you know, and then sweat dripping off my nose. It was, oh gosh, it was awful. And, and, it, and it all went away as well, you know, simply by understanding how experience is created. So you, you um, stated a really interesting point that affects all of us, and that is when our nervous system has, has experienced trauma or been, I don't know, for lack of a better word, overstimulated or in a chronic state, it's like you, it, it has marching or it's, it's already sensitized, like almost a food sensitivity, now that I'm thinking about it, sensitized like, oh, we're really ready to get on this and and it happens more quickly or perhaps or more intensely than for people whose nervous systems maybe haven't been so traumatized or triggered is that yeah i i think that's very true but i also from my experience of being a trauma counselor i also know that trauma isn't necessarily big dramatic things like you know when i used to do talks on trauma and I ask them people, what is trauma? And people often say, oh, it's abuse, it's violence, it's witnessing a fatal accident, it's, you know, losing a parent, partner. And those certainly are tragic situations. But I've counseled people who are dealing with being single or keeping a, you know, a secret that you and I wouldn't even blink about. But to them, it's like deathly dramatic. And because we all live in a thought-created world, their thoughts are torturing them just as much as someone who's, God forbid, been through a rape or, you know, or a violent experience. So it's, I, I learned not to judge people's experience, not just because that's a kind thing to do, but, but everybody's experience is relative to them. And, you know, some people can be, can have a, like flip out and freak out because their toast fell on the floor, right? And then other people could be, I remember one lady telling me, she said, oh yeah, my mother used to shut my head in the washing machine and my boyfriend ties me to the bed. And I'm like, what? And she was saying it like, you know, yeah, these things happen, you know? And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know? Like, you know, so we, you know, what is traumatic to one person might not be to another person, but that's not the point. The point is if that person's nervous system has been, like you said, oversensitized, hyperreactive through whether it's isolated experiences or just a lifetime of being stressed and anxious, then along comes something like a food allergy or, or a drop in hormone levels or something. And their nervous system is going to go, ah, you know, like danger, danger and, and freak out. But it doesn't have to be like that. And I've learned that it can, it can get better and go away. I've had people with terrible food allergies or histamine intolerances and, you know, all kinds of things get better fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, all kinds of things get better when we understand and we learn not to be frightened by, by our own experiences. That's wonderful to hear. And I know a lot of the listeners will be overjoyed to hear that because I, 
I think there's so many different messages out there. And obviously, everybody, most people want to be healthy, right? They want to live their fullest life. So it's some very, the work that you're doing is so empowering. So I have, I have one last question for you. If you could go back 20 years and um, give yourself some health advice, what, what would it be? You know, I, I was wondering how to answer that. And then what you just said just now really gave me the answer. I wish I'd known that I wasn't broken and I didn't need fixing. You know, I spent so much of my life trying to either fix my physical body, you know, with the different pains and the different allergies and the, you know, all the things that kept cropping up. And then also emotionally, I was, you know, doing lots of meditation and, you know, expressive writing and A Course in Miracles, you know, and as a a coach and a counselor, I was always investigating the latest modalities to, you know, fix yourself. I I became an Enneagram uh, life coach, you know, like all all kinds of stuff, you know, and all of those modalities, they, they gave me the feeling that my well-being was like over there. If I just work hard enough, I'll be, I'll feel better. If I meditate more, I'll feel better. If I write enough, I'll get to the, you know, what's really causing the problem. And I wish now, I wish that I'd, that I'd known then that A, there was nothing wrong with me, that I wasn't broken. You, you cannot break a human being. I know sometimes they, oh, my spirit is broken. That's stinky thinking. For sure, we all can get stinky thinking, but it's just covering up this beautiful, amazing spirit that we all have. We all have innate resilience and, and wisdom and courage. It's just that we get, we get de- delusioned by life experiences and messages we get given by family members or the media or all, all kinds of things can like feel like where I felt like I was in, in the bottom of the basement and I'd never get out. But it was just my thinking. I was looking in the wrong direction. And once I started realizing that I didn't, that all that outside stuff didn't have to change for me to be okay, that I was okay. I just been listening to my stinky thinking. And once I understood that that everybody has stinky thoughts every now and again, and they always move on. Every mood I've ever had has moved on. And it's kind of like seeing thoughts like clouds. And when you see that they're always going to move and that the blue sky never went away, we are the blue sky. It's like, it's always there. Even when we have a thought storm, even when it's hailing and gale force winds, the blue sky is still there. We just have to, we just have to know that it's going to pass and you're going to be okay. That's a wonderful vision. I love that. Yeah. And our bodies want to heal themselves. I mean, that is the way we yeah i love what, i love what you said about like everybody just wants to be happy right don't don't doesn't everyone just want some peace of mind right well you are peace of mind yeah. we've just been looking in the wrong direction right <laughs> yes so if, the, if people want to get in touch with you on the internet where where can they find you sure so i have a, a website it's my name which is hannastudley.com spelled c h a n a S-T-U-D-L-E-Y.com. And I have on there all my different programs and I have a Facebook group. If you, if you put in my name, you'll, you'll, cause I've changed the name recently. It's, it's called, I think stress wellbeing and the three principles. I think that's what it's called. Or you can find me on Facebook and I can direct you there. I've got a few thousand people there and we share, you know, our experiences and, and I share, you know, answers and inspirational videos and, and the memes and things. And then so I have, I have the two books are out on Amazon. The first one is called The Myth of Low Self-Esteem. And the second one is called Painless. And the next one, which I'm calling Very Well, 
Very well. We're we're doing very well. Right? <laughs> great title. Right? Um, I, I, I hope that to be out by the end of the year. Probably around around the end of the year is when it would be out now. Yeah. So so all of those things I'd I'd love to hear from people. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you so very much for sharing your time with us. I really, really appreciate it. It's been a delight talking. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. For over 25 years, I was a teacher, and one of my greatest joys in life is seeing people light up when they have an aha moment. It is pure magic. I've now combined teaching with my knowledge of health into live workshops. I teach throughout the country about gut health and how to transform your health. If you'd like to know when I'll be in your city, subscribe to my newsletter in the description of this podcast.